was nice to be down there. And most importantly, the rain held off. I think that was the biggest part. Yeah, it cleared up, thankfully. Yeah, it was nice that the rain held off. And what didn't hold off was the likes of Braylon Allen for the Wisconsin Badgers. My God, Braylon Allen just absolutely steamrolling his way uh, for Bucky. A 38 to nothing victory over Illinois State. Now, we talked about this. How much can we learn from the game? How much did we learn from the game? Graham Mertz had some nice passes. I thought overall the game was kind of boring. Meh. It was kind of boring. Meh. Yeah. Like the 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 line ended up 36. Closing at 36 and a half. Yeah. So the Badgers covered the game, though it was relatively close for Vegas lines. I thought they did some nice things. There was some other things where you kind of looked at it and go, and eh, they're going to have to clean that up if they want to be yeah. like a, a good, good team. Yeah. Overall, I thought it was kind of a meh game. Boring. Again, did some good things, did some things they have to to work on, but it's a game in which I don't have a ton of criticism. It's it's no, a game it's, we it's, knew they were going to go through the motions. It's like with. a preseason tune-up game, and that's what they did. Torchio, a hundred yard. How about the Badgers right away though? That was pretty awesome. A hundred yard interception from Torchio. Uh, and then Braylon Allen pops off a 96-yard run for a touchdown. So back-to-back, you had Wisconsin going 90-plus for his scores. That was that was exciting. I mean, that was, that was fun, wasn't it? The opening drive for Illinois State, I was like, oh, God, is Wisconsin's defense going to be in for a, an interesting night? Because, I mean, they, they went down there. They controlled a lot of clock. It was then Torchio getting that interception and taking it back. That was cool. Braylon Allen busting it. Now, before... Now, Rowdy, I know uh, I had to. I ran away from the red zone. I had to help some family stuff out uh, after the show. Uh, watching the game, though, Braylon Allen rewatching right before Braylon Allen popped off for the ninety-six yard run. He like almost had one and got called back for holding. I could tell like Braylon Allen just wanted to rumble. He looked pretty damn good. Well, yeah, and you figured he would. I mean, he played really well against Big Ten competition last year, and everyone believes that that line will be upgraded, and they're playing Illinois State. Yeah. Graham Mertz looked pretty decent. I mean, they didn't ask him to do that much. By the way, that line, his final game line, pretty close to my prediction. What did you say, 212? I think I said 15 for 18 for a little less than 225. Yeah, I think like 225 yards. You were close close on that one. Yeah, Graham Mertz uh, finishing the game, only missing two passes, 14 to 16, 219 yards and one touchdown. I had a nice shot to what Marcus Allen. I know Chimney DK got some nice looks. Um, But yeah, like you said, didn't ask Mertz to do much, but when he did it, he looked efficient and good. So again, like this, this was a game that we knew the Badgers would go through the motion. And if they didn't, if this was a close game, we would all be pretty upset. Yeah. Now this week they welcome in Washington state. It's the best team they play in the non-conference season. So this week is Washington state. Next week is new Mexico state. New Mexico state is going to look or should look eerily similar to what <laughs> Illinois State did. Definitely. It should be a game they beat them down by close to 40. Yeah. Washington State, game should be a little bit closer. It's a Power 5 school. It is a school that has a lot more talent than New Mexico State and Illinois State. <laughs> yeah. But it's a team they should still beat up on. The line is 16 and a half, 17, depending on where you look. Oh, wow, already? Uh, we'll get into that. I it was the only one that predicted it. Wisconsin cover. You are. Over Illinois State. I was this close to pegging the score, though. You know who likes getting pegged? The king. <laughs> you were close to it, RJ. The king loves that, though. All right. So, RJ. <laughs> Sorry, his name popped up on the Twitch chat, and I just had to pounce over it. Uh, but I do think he enjoys that. All right. So, uh, do, did something that we enjoyed happen out of Big Ten football, Iowa. Touchdownless football. And... Uh, uh, 
Uh, what? South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits? They are the number two FCS team in the country. Iowa beat South Dakota State. Am I reading this right? Did I see this right when it was unfolding on Saturday? Seven to three? Yeah. And it wasn't a touchdown by Iowa. No, no. It was one field goal and two safeties? Am I? Was I? No. What? What was the? I think I don't remember the top of my head. Do you know what the spread was of that game? Uh, I guarantee it wasn't prob- four. Probably greater than that. Or four and a half. Um, let's find out. A field goal and two safeties and two safeties and at Kinnick Stadium for the Iowa Hawkeyes. And they averaged less than two and a half yards per or per player against the Jackrabbits. Like um, but what? Yeah, it. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's uh, what? Now, how much? Now, how, okay, let me ask you this: How much did you learn from Wisconsin taking down Illinois State thirty-eight to nothing? Nothing. How much did we learn more or less from Iowa beating the Jackrabbits by three field goal or a field goal and two safeties? I mean, seven to three. We've seen them struggle in these kind of games before, and then all of a sudden turn it on in the Big Ten. So. I'm not even sure what you learned, but it sure looks like their offense is not going to be good. Like what? Seven to three. And it was a field goal in the first quarter and then a safety in the third and a safety in the fourth for the Iowa Hawkeyes. And the Jackrabbits had a field goal in the second quarter. They averaged 3.4 yards per pass and 1.6 yards per rush. Like what? 36 rushes for 57 yards. And 11 completed passes out of 25 for 109. I don't even know how to fathom it. 2.7 yards per play. I don't even know what this Total like. 166 yards of total offense. I know they won, but if you're Iowa, can you even feel good about that? Four of 17 on third down. <laughs> like, can you feel good about that if you're the Iowa Hawkeyes? I know you won the game. 10 first downs on the day. But did you... If you win seven to three, and they, it's a field goal and two safeties, did you really win the game? They are one of three teams. Did you really win to average under three yards a carrier or three yards per play or something like that and win a game? It's the only other two teams that have insane. done it are Iowa again <laughs> and Wake Forest beating somebody three to nothing. The Boston College, I think it was. Other than that. They it teams that have that kind of stat are three and like three seventy one. I, I don't even know what to say besides like wow. I mean, you look at it and yeah, you assume uh, it was plus ten and a half uh, or minus ten and a half, whichever way you want to look at it. The over under was forty two. <laughs> if you, Jesus. If you oh, want to look man, at the good side of things, you that over. I feel pity on your life. If you want to look at the good side of things, our guy uh, DJR War. I don't even know how to say your name correctly on Twitch. DJR War. Am I saying that right, brother? He says Iowa powerhouse. I think they had the wrestling team out there, and he says it is now the number one rated defense after week one. The Iowa Hawkeyes. <laughs> Actually, I mean, depending on what you're looking at, not scoring defense though. <laughs> There it is. Uh, looking around here, uh, Minnesota beat. Uh, we are, well, it was Thursday. Yeah, New Mexico State 38 nothing. We already talked about Penn State, Purdue. Uh, Friday at Michigan State, take down Western Michigan 35-13. to That was not a cover, by the way. Nope. Uh, Indiana 
Took down Illinois 23-20. to 20. Uh, Not a cover either. Not a cover. And you had uh, Ohio State. Oh, maybe it was because was Illinois favored in that one? Uh, Might have been. When Rowdy's done um, cleansing his demons, we'll ask him. Uh, Ohio State. The internet. Ohio State took down uh, Notre Dame 21-10. to 10. Not a cover. I think Ohio State was favored by 17 points. Uh, if I remember correctly, 17 and a half, 17 Yeah, points. 17 and a half sounds right. So Ohio State, the two and the five matchup, which everyone's uh, keen on, Ohio State wins 21 to 10. Uh, Michigan, 51 to 7 over Colorado State. Um, Maryland, 31 to 10 over Buffalo. Rutgers, they beat Boston College 22 oh, to 21. Indiana did cover at uh, minus oh, one. There you go. And Nebraska took down North Dakota 38 to 17. So there's your scores. Uh, then looking at Wisconsin, 38 to nothing. Wisconsin, the only team. Nebraska did not cover. No, Nebraska did not. Oh, Wisconsin and Minnesota, the only teams to pitch a shutout over week one of college football. Yeah, and I mean, Minnesota's going up against the worst team. Yeah. And not taking anything we're gonna play against from Minnesota, but I don't think it's a great feat to shut out New Mexico State as a Power 5 school. In like, Wisconsin, I think, yeah. I think it'll... It'll be okay. All right, so, uh, RJ, looking at the game for Wisconsin, the Badgers, uh, I mean, Torchio, uh, 100-yard interception, that was nice. Yeah. Braylon Allen rumbling for, what was it, 96, 96-yard. That was nice. 74-yard touchdown for DK? Yeah, was and yeah, Graham Mertz when had, when I mean, 14 to 16, 200 yeah, 14, and some yards. 16, uh, he looked good. The only, what he needed to do. The second quarterback in program history to have... Multiple plus eighty eight percent completion percentage games. Yep, yep, yep. Um, Badgers up there with Daryl Bevel now. Off to a little bit of a rough start with penalties. They had five within the first uh, sixteen minutes of action. Yeah, then so, but uh, it's their first game, and it's this is like a you know a tune up game. Obviously. And then I think they only had one total after that. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Also, Wisconsin lost a pair of starters to injury. Right tackle Riley Malman uh, exits second half with a leg injury. Uh, was standing on the sideline with a wrap on his oh, leg. Then mind. it was zero after that. Even better. Yeah. And then Hunter Wohler, the safety man, he went down in the third quarter. Uh, it was a serious one. Carted the locker room. Yeah. Uh, did return to the sidelines wearing a boot and crutches. I imagine, I think he's done. Yeah. There were a lot of tweets out there from various media outlets saying players were letting him know they'll be there for him. So that's not good. That's not good. Yeah. All right. Uh, some other factoids here. 66. That's how many wins Chris has now. In his tenure at Wisconsin, too shy of Brett Bielema for the most in school history. you got to imagine he'll get that before the yeah, Ohio State. Should, should be tied with him by the Ohio State. Game. And how special would that be for Paul Chris to take over the all-time winning record over Brett Bielema by beating Ohio State that'd on be, the road? That'd be impressive. Oh, yeah. Uh, 15, that is how many times Wisconsin's defense has held an opponent without an offensive touchdown under Jimmy Leonard. Over like half of his games, twenty comes out to nearly twenty five percent of the games he's coached. RJ, oh. let's not get too ahead oh, yeah, of ourselves. He's been, he's been there that long. But now. we would like that. Jeez. <laughs> and two thousand and three—that's the last time a Big Ten team had a run, pass, and an interception return of seventy yards or more in a single game. Yeah. Before the Badgers did it, man. Um, were you a little nervous at all for the opening drive for Illinois State as they, they were going down? They were moving the ball rather easy, but we've seen it before um, where. I think the defense is running scripted plays just to see what kind of looks they'll get out of certain things. Um, but, yeah, it, it was a little concerning where um, and, and it happened throughout the game. Um, there are some big plays that we aren't accustomed to seeing, but once again we had a 
bend of bend but don't break defense going on and yeah. you know thankfully that 100 yard interception return happened cuz it was electric Wisconsin went three and out in their first possession yeah uh and that really didn't look good either but um yeah like you said once Mertz was given some time um really looked good in there uh 14 for 16 220 well and uh, on the defense no interceptions yeah, is, the, yeah. is the good thing there on the defensive side of things herbig nick herbig you know the heart and soul of the defense now wasn't happy with their effort and he wasn't happy with his own performance either he said uh they he called their performance average yeah saying quote just too many big plays and dumb mistakes penalties that shouldn't happen missing tackles missing reads that's something we can all clean up on it's just little things but it's just little things but we want to be perfect and if you want to have a chance, and Rowdy uh, just returned. Rowdy, uh, Paul Christ is, was it two wins away? Yeah. Two wins away from tying the record, and then the third from taking the record for all-time wins over yeah. Brett Bielema. I said, and how big would it be for him to go to Ohio State and him to break Brett Bielema's record? And if you want to beat Ohio State, you essentially have to be perfect. Or they could go W against Washington State, W against New Mexico State, most likely the L against Ohio State, and then play old Burt. Head to head. Oh, which that, would be better? That's, which what, he's, be, that's what he's going to do. They're going to get blown out against Ohio which State. Which would be better? You take the all-time <laughs> win record against Ohio State or you save it to shove it in Brett Bielema's face at Camp Randall? I would take Ohio State, personally. <laughs> and it'd be, if they win that and after the game, it'd be like the end of the Seinfeld episode with George and the doppelganger. <laughs> I win. I win. <laughs> yeah, so the defense, uh, you know, I mean, how much do you – put stock into like you know Herbig saying you know it was average I didn't really care for it and then you look at the team the opponent the level of you know skill against Illinois State is it something to be concerned about moving forward is like hey man this is the first game we're ironing out some kinks yada, yada, I, I yada. think a little bit is the first game you had a completely new secondary um there were times though where both Dort and um let's see uh Shaw kind of looked out of step and uh, so, the, well, Illinois State say, put together like four good drives. Yeah, yeah absolutely. They didn't come away with points on any. Now, obviously, the one interception, you know, coming in the end zone, uh, the Preston Zachman with an interception. But there were four possessions where Illinois State's uh, possession of the football ended in Wisconsin territory in. Close to scoring areas where <laughs> the maybe they're from not the thirty yard line. Yeah, maybe they're not going <laughs> to score a touchdown, but they're going to be at least attempting field goals. And clearly, Wisconsin is more talented than an Illinois State team. I saw, but it. the fact that they had four drives where they they had some decently long drives yeah. scares you a little bit, just because that team's not very talented. Right? It's not even it, this Illinois State team would be probably at least a two touchdown. Uh, dog on the road against Washington State. Now Washington State comes in here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, their the their longest drive, um, eight minutes uh, for seventy one yards. Um, but then they have a couple that ended in punts and and stuff like that. That shorter time, but still, you're putting up almost forty yards, forty five yards, um, and. Yeah, like they can say, "Oh yeah, it was bend and break." You know, we we bent, but we didn't break all yeah. day. But 
those aren't going to be bend and break type possessions if you're playing a better team. They're going to score. They're going to be broken. I mean, we also have seen, though, Wisconsin do this against more talented teams. And once they become a red zone defense, a flip gets switched, you know. Uh, and well, I just think it's at least it's week one. Yeah. And all of a sudden it wasn't like Illinois state scored like 17 points and you won 38 to 17. Cause it say they did score a touchdown instead of the pick. And then they kicked a couple field goals. All of a sudden the next thing you know, it's like, this is a lot closer than what the score was yesterday or uh, this weekend. But I think at least for week one, it's a, you know, it's a good base. You didn't, give up any points. Yep. The defense did find some takeaways. They did have some sacks. It wasn't it, like I said earlier in the first uh, segment of the show, it was kind of a meh game to me. Yeah. yeah. yeah they covered. Exciting. It wasn't it like great. They made some mistakes on offense and defense. They had some nice plays on offense and defense. It was <laughs> Illinois state. It was meh. Yeah. We'll I see. Mean, we'll see what this, this weekend against Washington state will be their best test. And we'll know better what they are. I still yeah. don't think we'll learn anything against New Mexico State. That should be a very similar game to Illinois yeah. State. Yeah. So, so uh, had the, we'll talk about more of this coming up, especially when Ben's in uh, in the nine o'clock hour. We'll get to the offensive side of the ball and some Packers news, Brewers as well. Ben Kenny got an interesting tweet. <laughs> it was one uh, he had quote tweeted, you know, from our listener Dave from Monona. Who doesn't love their sauce and Dave from Monona? Uh, Dave from Monona tweeted at Ben, take away the ninety-six yard run. The 74-yard pass, and this offense stunk. Four-star, five-star versus Illinois State 1A. Uh, state, 1AA. 1AA, excuse me. Wonder if the show will actually FCS. break that down. Uh, so I think he's talking about us if we'll break that down. Here's the thing. So Dave says, take away the 96-yard run, the 74-yard pass, and this offense stunk. And then Ben quote tweeted and said, if you take away all the good, they were actually quite bad. <laughs> Which is pretty funny. So, yeah, I mean. They covered. They won 38 to nothing. Yeah. I mean, it makes no sense to in a in a workman like ho hum kind of game. I mean, I can take away anything from any situation. Take away the Cubs World Series. What did they win in 2016? Nothing. Yeah. You take away the Packers 13 championships. What have they won? Nothing. Nothing. You you take away certain plays from every game, and yeah. Something's going to look horrible. Hey, you take away Aaron Rodgers' four MVPs, what is he? Man. He's just a dude with a greasy haircut. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like someone's cocaine dealer. Yeah. Like, jeez. But, yeah. Dave, hilarious. I would love it. I hope Dave does call in today because I want to hear it. Um, yeah, if you take away everything they did good, then they're actually quite bad. Th- think about this. It wasn't, it wasn't an impressive game in any sense. But. Every play of 70-plus yards the Badgers had against Nebraska in that Big Ten championship game they lose it. Now, Rowdy, are you are you contrarian on this? With like, what's your stance? And if you take away these big chunk plays, then what? Well, if, if you look at Braylon Allen, and you take away a little what, more the ninety six yard touchdown. I mean, he rushed he rushed for hundred and forty eight. Yeah, take away the ninety six yard touchdowns, fifty two yards. He had fourteen carries, so that thirteen carries, four yards a carry. It was. I mean, it's. You would take four yards of carry in a Big Ten game, but it was Illinois State. So I get what Dave is saying outside of that one big run. Maybe you would have asked for a little bit better of an average. Julius Davis looked pretty good. Yeah. Limited time. Yep. Yeah. Um, um, my question, does Dave, like after, 
once he busted up a huge hole, did he want him to just like lay down on the ground and say, "Oh man, sorry, we gotta." You know, we did got you know down? if you take away Giannis's fifty burger in the playoffs, the championship game, they lose. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's nuts. Man. They're, they're not good. The Bucks aren't good. No, if you take away if you take away them drafting Giannis and then Nakumbo, they're nothing. Yeah, you know. There we are. Damn. All right, I want to talk some Brewers coming up. Here. I get what he's saying though because. It, Take away Jim Ray DK's 74-yard. I mean, he had 32 yards. Now, the fact that they did it is <laughs> they did it. Yeah, it happened. But if you're you probably take away. not going to have those type of shots against better teams just because of the quality of opponent. It's one of those things that no one will ever be happy in life. So if you take away this, you take away that, and then this bad stuff happens. Well, here's the thing. You can't take it away because it happened. Uh, line one, good morning. Who's this? Hey, good morning. It's Corey from Earth. Oh, I'm pause the music for you, Corey. Hey, Corey, what's up, my brother? Not much. I'll uh, just touch real quickly on this, but I'll point out pretty much every high school football coach will tell their players to break down like the amount of time that you actually work in a game to about five minutes, and then you break it down from that that there's really six or seven plays every game that decide the outcome of the game. Yeah, so football's decided by, especially the, the pros, decided yeah. by a handful of plays. Correct. So I'll just touch on that real quick, but um, I agree with Rowdy on that take in terms of uh, this game against Washington State being a better barometer of the talent because it is a Division One A school. It is from a major conference. Mm-hmm. We don't really know much about them because they're on the West Coast, and we don't care much about the West Coast. But um, <laughs> I, I think it'll be a, a better, as, as Rowdy said, a better indicator of where the team is from a um, – talent and execution standpoint. So, um, yeah, that's all I wanted to add in. Like, Corey, I feel like against the Washington State, where you know they're going to be faster, they're going to be a little bit better, some of those yeah. big chunk plays are going to be tougher to get. I Correct. think that yeah. that's maybe what Dave should have said instead of saying, we'll take this away. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Also, Corey, some people are just never happy in life to begin with, so... It's no big deal. It's mm-hmm. like I'm not really offended by it. It's more just like, yeah... I don't think it was offended. It's just funny. That guy saying that off in the ether, that's fine, but... Yeah, that's, uh, I would agree. You're not going to get these, uh, most likely you're not going to get a 96-yard run. Corey, you, you, might, ta- Corey, you take you know, away your, your handsome good looks. You're actually an ugly man, you know that? <laughs> Some people would say regardless. You never really know. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, have a good Tuesday, guys. And, yeah, you too, uh, brother. See you on the flip side. Yeah, yeah see you on the flippity flip. See you, buddy. Uh, someone who was kind of giving the bird to another organization, uh, Lorenzo Kane. Former Milwaukee just Brewer. Got owned by Lorenzo Kane. Lorenzo Kane. Now, there's two things in this article I wanted to get to. One, I don't agree with Kane on. The other, I kind of agree with Kane on. Oh, okay. The first one, uh, Lorenzo Kane uh, says he never felt that he got the respect as a veteran on the Milwaukee Brewers, as a leader of the team from certain coaches and certain upper management. Uh, he said he doesn't really miss playing for the Brewers, but he never felt like he was given the respect a veteran deserved. So my first opinion on that, they kissed his ass since 2020. Big time. Remember? They held him out to get 10 years too, didn't they? So remember in 2020, he played for a week and then he ended up saying family stuff, I'm going to step away. And I said instantly right there, this was a death sentence to his career and everyone kind of scoffed at me. And I go, "I'm, I'm done with Lorenzo Cain. Yeah. He came back in 2021, had an awful season, one of his worst years hitting the baseball. 
then everyone still thought that, hey, he's Lorenzo Kane. He'll come back and play well in 2022. Guys, hello. Yeah. <laughs> he missed all of 2020 Settled as a the whole guy season. in his mid-30s. Yeah. He then came back in his mid-to-late 30s in 2021 and had his worst hitting season. Why do you think he's all of a sudden going to come back and hit 300? He's only getting older and not playing. Yeah. Then he was awful. He, 179. In, in, he was awful this he, season. He batted 179, a 465 OPS through 156 was, plate appearances at the time he was he, cut. He was still a plus defender, but you could even see that the legs were starting to go where it was if he had to play every day for a full season, he probably was slightly above average defender where he used to be really good. Yeah. The bat was by far the worst year he has ever had, even after the 2021 that was down. Yep. He was garbage out there. Just terrible. All he brought to the team was some leadership. Yep. That, yeah. That's clubhouse it. leadership. And he was the second highest paid guy on your team behind Yelly, who was already underperforming. So your top two guys were were especially in those first couple months awful. Yep. Yeah. So the Brewers held him on long enough to get so ten years ten service years time. service service time. Yeah. Anytime you ever heard anyone in the organization talk about Locaine was with respect and for like admiration for him. Yeah. So that's a bunch of BS. The only thing is your butt hurt is because you were so effing bad your yep. last couple of years that some people started to call you out for it. I honestly yeah. feel like I never got that respect as a veteran, as a leader on this team, from certain coaches and certain upper management. That's mostly why we parted ways when we did. Could Lorenzo you, could you, could you flip that you around? Why would you say that right away? Tw- sat out all 2020 with the Brewers. Outside of the first week. Outside of the first yeah. week. Then he, then he sat out. Uh, the Brewers let him hang around to get his service time. They... Strung him around, even though he literally couldn't hit his way out of a wet paper bag. Could I? Could I say that if he had respect for the game of baseball and the Brewers, he would have retired after twenty twenty sitting out. Also, yeah, but the Brewers gave him like a could, olive branch. Say, hey, we we'll want you get your service time. But that's what I'm saying. If yeah. he would have had respect for the game and for that, clearly his head wasn't in it in twenty twenty. Yeah. And it never seemed like he was physically good or mentally all there after. What, Why didn't he retire? What oh, coaches wait. are disrespecting him? He was in the lineup. Oh, wait. It's because they still know. owed him $31 million on his contract. Yeah. Yeah. That's why he was back. So he says he doesn't really miss the game of baseball, but he is keeping up with the Brewers. He hadn't missed it since 2019. Yeah. <laughs> now, he did say something that I do agree with him on, and that was uh, the chemistry of the Milwaukee Brewers and the trade of Josh Hayden. And I agree with yeah. him and you on this as well. We'll get to that coming up. There's the first part of it. Of Lorenzo Cain sitting down with Adam McKelvey. This isn't the first interview that Adam McKelvey has with players calling out upper management. First, it was Eric Lauer. Yeah. Now it's Lorenzo Cain. Yeah. The Brewers, they got a little, I wouldn't say a PR problem, but they definitely got a fracture in the locker room. It's very obvious. Yeah. Because I guarantee you, Lorenzo Cain still talking with the guys and friends with guys in the locker room. Yeah. So we'll do the other part coming up about upper management. Low Kane, it's not Low Kane specific. It's the clubhouse and the upper management of the Milwaukee Brewers specific. Low Kane, we already talked about, oh, I wasn't giving any respect, blah, 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 blah. Don't care about that. He was asked, though, about the team chemistry in the clubhouse and the collapse of the Brewers. And he says analytics don't judge or measure the heart of a person or the chemistry of a team. Certain guys need a certain comfort level and playing together. They complement each other. You go into the locker room saying, I'm comfortable today. I can talk to my buddies about anything, hang out, and relax. And when you move guys around, especially when you start with a certain group, you slowly start to lose that. He said it can definitely affect the win and loss column for sure. And Locaine's not the first to do it. I bet you Locaine is still probably talking to guys in the locker room. Well, he showed up. He showed up the other day yeah. because 
they were having a fantasy football draft. Yeah. And he won the league last year, therefore he had to be in it, even though he was has not played on this team for two, three months. The other person that was talking about it who is on the team currently, Eric Lauer. Eric Lauer also talking about how there's a fracture in the locker room after the Josh Hader trade. Hell, Brandon Woodruff said it uh, after the trade. And a couple other players, Devin Williams looked like he was seeing ghosts. Uh, I couldn't believe what was going on. So you look at this Brewers team. I mean, Low Kane, is he irrelevant? Yeah, he's not on the Brewers anymore. Was Has he been irrelevant for the last two years? Yeah, totally. But he's still... They're in front of the locker room, guys. He's not the only one saying it. He's just the newest one to say it at an Adam McKelvey interview over the weekend. And I think Adam McKelvey put it out there because Lorenzo Kane was seen as being a respected player on the yeah. team. It's, and it's, I still, like I said, I disagree with what he said with that. If if they same. didn't if they didn't care about Lorenzo Kane, they would have cut his ass in twenty twenty. Yeah. I mean, basically Low Kane talking about how upper management didn't give him respect. Whatever you set out for two years, essentially, dude. Hell, if I was the GM, Ebo, I said I would have got his ass out of there any way I could have with a trade after 2020. <laughs> totally. But when you hear Eric Lauer saying it, uh, other comments from Woody, um, what Devin Williams kind of, and then you know now another guy, Locate, saying it, doesn't it doesn't it look like there's a bigger issue in the locker room than people thought previous? Clearly. Well, clearly. Look at the team. Well, I said this when I got all pissed about the trade deadline and then I denounced my fandom. Reason being is this was part of the window. Your window opened earlier than expected in 2018 and it really ran through 2023 because by 2024 you were either going to have to extend players or trade them being a small market team where you weren't just going to carry the Lowers, the Woodruffs, the Haters, all these players through the end of their contract and not get anything for them. Yeah. That's just bad for business. That's just dumb in general for being a front office. So that left your window from 2018 to 2023. Well, it's 2022. We had about a year and a half left of this window before it's going to have to be a new team with new players and new contracts. And well, I would love to go back and look and see, is this the first ever team to have a lead at the, at the uh, trade deadline? To sell? What did they do in 2014 at the trade deadline? Well, they were starting to fall out of it. Because they were one of the best teams in the majors. And then after the trade deadline, they started to fall. But then all of a sudden, they just collapsed. Because they were all, like the best team in the majors for a lot of the yeah, season. Yeah, but they started falling apart in June. What like did they, mid-June. What did they do at the trade? Did they sell at the trade? Or they probably stood pat. They, they, I, would, I don't know off the top pat. of my head, but I would say they probably stood pat. They probably signed like a 32-year-old reliever for the bullpen. And that was probably but it. But this team flat out sold when they had a three-game lead at the deadline and now are seven and a half games back. That's a ten and a half game swing in yeah, about a month. It's not good. Seven and a half games behind the Cardinals for first place, two games behind the but, Phillies and the uh, Padres. But what I'm saying is... The front office not only spit in your, if you're a fan of the Milwaukee Brewers, they spit in your face and said, well, we're just fine with trying to make the playoffs and being a playoff caliber team. Because this team, even with how bad they've played, this team is still a team that can make the playoffs. Yeah. They could sneak into the playoffs. That's not out of the question. But they didn't go and try and add a bat. They didn't try and add no. another big-time no. arm. They no. didn't do any of that, yet they're still trying to sell you that there's some great franchise that, oh, we've been to the playoffs this many years. They just got cheap on you, spit in your face, <laughs> and said, still buy tickets, and they send out the emails hey, every afternoon. Six dollar tickets now during the week. But they not only spit in fans' face, 
They spit in the player's face and, and said, we don't think you're good enough to win and they're all. We're it. selling and the it. the players are saying it. And someone who totes a big stick in lacrosse on WKTY is our guy, Grant Bills of the Wisco Sports Show. Good morning, Grant Bills. Good morning. Did Eric refer to WKTY as the big stick? No, I, I did. Doing that? I did. I did. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. And uh, you also carry a big stick out there. Well, that WKTY stick. Uh, Grant, I did... We, we, we've been trying to help Eric out with college football. Uh, Eric is okay. having a hard time deciding who's a champion, what it means to win, where people fall in the rankings and what it means, a lot of math going on. And I propositioned oh, yeah. something for you, and I know it's near and dear to your heart. Uh, not only do you love your listeners, I love my listeners as well. I'm glad we share many of the same listeners. But also, Grant, you and I love the Anytime Drink, a Bloody Mary. Also, what, uh-huh. what we both love is one of the best spots for a Bloody Mary in lacrosse is Dell Bar, the Dell's Bar. So, Grant, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I told Eric that maybe you could help him out with figuring out college football. You guys meet at Dell's Bar, have some Bloody Marys, and you'd make a gigantic flow chart on how to figure out college football. Will you do that with Eric on I-90? Uh, I, will, I will sit down and go over a flow chart of college football with Eric on I-90, but I'm going to need Ben Kenny to make the flow chart for me because I don't want to do it. I <laughs> I don't know that I can do it. I did watch college football, though, this weekend. Nice. And I'm excited to talk a little bit about it this week. I'm never going to turn down a chance to go have an anytime drink, though. I'm 100% down on that. I think lacrosse might be a little big city for Eric. He's always hanging down near Coon Creek and uh, and uh, the, the Driftless region. He lives way down in the woods somewhere, I think, oh. by Westby. Lacrosse is maybe a little little shining lights for him. Rowdy, uh, your time in lacrosse, did you ever go down to Westby or any of that area? I believe Westby's actually north of lacrosse. Did you ever go there when you were in the no. graduating from lacrosse? No. Oh, uh, Grant, what's what's around there? Is there like a bar that you could you know direct us to? Oh, Vestby. Um, if you oh, know, like in, 20, in, in Eric and I nineties area, I would love to know. In heaven, Evo, because it's all Norwegians down there. Oh. It's all. I mean, it's it's a little slice of Scandinavia if you drive down there. It's oh, actually so. pretty. It's pretty incredible. Sign I recommend Coon Valley, Sign me up. Westby. Get down in Viroqua. You can see some beautiful creeks and rolling hills, and stop by at a at a locally owned pub where Evo. You go in, and you know you know the person who's going to be bartending. It's going to be the owner, and, and that person will shake your hand and know you by name because that's. That's what you get when you go to a small oh, town myself. and experience their uh, their bars and restaurants, Beautiful. which is what I love down there. We need to figure it's, this it's out. Really Rowdy says really south. The... I heard west, east, and uh, no, all the it's way just along. north of Viroqua. Okay. Well, we apologize for not knowing exactly where Westby is. We'll figure that out, and we'll hit up many of the par- uh, the bars. Hey, Grant. Sorry. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have Ben <laughs> Kenny figure out college football with you. Uh, something that I would want to bring to your attention. You're a big believer in Craig Timber and the Milwaukee Brewers, yes? I am. Yes, I am. Uh, Rowdy, my friend over here, Nelly, can you tell Grant what you're doing for Craig Tember? September 1st, yeah, to kick off Craig Tember, I decided to fade Craig Tember and bet the money line on the team that the Brewers are playing every single day. Currently, we are profitable. Grant, what says what says you, a guy who celebrates Craig Tember in a different uh, manner than well, that's... Yeah, well, and I tweeted this yesterday. I, I, you know, I actually, and you guys might agree with this. I don't feel like September the month really starts until after Labor Day, so or on Labor Day itself. I really don't change gears out of summer into September mode, into fall mode, until Labor Day comes and goes. And I didn't think about that until yesterday. And if you are to use that time scale, uh, then the Brewers are one and zero in the month of Craig okay. September. September. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you're not supposed to wear white after after Labor Day, correct? 
No, but I, I think that, you need to dress really nice for that rule to that apply to you, correct? Because I was saying, if, if you're not supposed to wear, I think it's not wear white after Labor Day. If that's the case, that means the Brewers won't be waving the white flag. And you are right. Want to know. Am I wrong in that? I don't uh, yeah, well, you're well, not supposed I mean, to wear white after Labor Day. Yeah. No, no white after Labor Day. So no white flag for the Brewers. Therefore, they're one and all. What the hell is RJ doing? It's my birthday. I can do whatever. He's <laughs> playing great baseball. As he's wearing white. Oh, yeah. RJ is wearing white <laughs> after Labor Day. It is his birthday, though. He can do whatever he wants. All right, so, Grant, how much hope do you have? Seven and a half games behind uh, the Cardinals for first place. I don't know if we're going to be catching them. Uh, Two games behind the Phillies now for that final wild card spot. Padres, too. Uh, But what do we think, Grant? Uh, Does hope spring eternal in Craig Timber? Or has Rowdy got it figured out with fading Craig Timber? The Brewers have shown us for five months now that they're just kind of an above-average team that will beat the bad teams most of the time, not all the time. So, like, yeah, Rowdy, I mean, yeah, if you fade the Brewers, if you fade the Brewers for the last two months, you're going to make money. They've been under 500 for the most part. But I am a Brewers fan, and I'm going to at least try to believe in this team until they're just about mathematically eliminated. Because I still think, I I still think that they, I don't know, I still think we could get a a nice little hot streak here. I'm believing less and less in it, but (laughs) I wouldn't recommend betting on it. But when I get home after work every night and I, you know, I, I I wouldn't bet against it either. Yeah, I, I, when I get home from work every night and I, I get a little workout in, I come home, I, I want something to watch, I'm going to turn on my beloved Milwaukee Brewers. Because you know what? Even when they're not playing well, I, I'm a fan. I'm born a fan, I'll die a fan. I'm a fan of the Brewers. Uh-huh. Well, there, here's why Craig Tember is no longer really going to ever be Craig Tember again unless the Brewers actually get hot and play good baseball. And it's because of what Major League Baseball did to them. One, you look at the fact that they brought in Universal DH. That takes a lot of strategy out when pinch hitting for pitchers, when double switching, when doing all those types of in-game moves. So that you guys hurt. hate those in-game moves. That, you guys hate when pitchers are removed in any setting, any time, in any game. Hey, remember when Freddie Peralta was removed from a no-hitter that the Brewers lost? That's not true. But I'm saying it takes like away... It takes away strategy where Craig Council could potentially be better than the opposing manager. Double switches. Also, let's not forget that they changed the pitcher rule where if you want to go to the bullpen and grab a lefty to face a lefty, he can't just be in there for one batter. He's got to be in there for at least three batters. That hurts the Brewers and Craig Council when it comes to strategy. And then even on top of that, let's since we are in September, we know that David Stearns has been all about depth and having available arms and players that are big league quality. Well, in September call-ups, you used to be able to have a billion guys come up and be on your roster in September. Now, all of a sudden, you only extend that roster from 26 to 28 so really from back in the day when you used to be able to pull up like 15 guys when you had a 25 man roster now rosters are set at 26 and they expand to 28 so you're only getting two to three additional players that's that's you don't get to use all those quadruple a arms that can be good here and there and uh, allow you to rest or or give your uh, bullpen a little bit more stability or a spot start here and there They've taken away a lot of the things that Craig Council may have had advantages on on yeah, some of the opposing managers. Craig Tember is no longer a thing, and you can thank Major League Baseball for that. Has he broken you as a so, fan now? I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> I, I, he's not wrong. The, the thing you got to think about is in 2018, they needed all those pitchers because their starting pitchers were Yolisha Steen and the corpse of Gio Gonzalez, and they needed guys to eat innings, right? The way that the Brewers team is built now, 
ideally you don't need bullpen arms to eat five or six innings a night because you have a starter that can pitch into the six. So that, that helps a little bit, but by and large, Rowdy, I, like, I do agree with you. I miss that we get to see all these guys in September. And I think it sucks that major league baseball, you know, won't allow the expanded rosters to go up to 40. So I agree with you a little, I think this team's built differently than it was a couple of years ago when the team got out in September, but overall, yes. I agree. Grant, before I let you go, I'm glad that you're still carrying the flame of the Milwaukee Brewers. I'm, I'm right there with you, but it is getting harder and harder by the game to have that faith. It really is. But something that I have full faith in, the Green Bay Packers winning the Super Bowl. Dude, we are five days away from week one, also Rowdy's birthday, when the Packers take on the Vikings at U.S. Bank oh. Stadium. What is the Grant Bills way too early Tuesday bold prediction for a Sunday afternoon? I think it will be a back-and-forth affair, and I think it will be a, a one-score win for either team. And to give you guys a preview of something I'm going to be talking about this week, I actually don't think this weekend's game matters very much. And I brought this up last week. I know a lot of fans are saying, divisional game, week one, U.S. Bank got it. Yeah, I, I mean, the Vikings could win by three, six points. I don't think it'll matter. The Packers could win by three or six points. It won't matter. I am turning my attention to the Tampa Bay game in week three. The earliest possible must-win game this Packers team has ever seen in any season. Uh, so I'm, I'm not stressing over this Vikings game. In fact, uh, something I, I'm going to talk about this week, I'm actually going to the Brewer game on Sunday. Oh, wow. It'll be the last wow. Brewer game I attend this year. Wow. I know. Wow. Uh, oh, geez. We're, we're going with friends, and the friends bought the tickets without realizing what day it was. Oh, and two weeks ago, so when I casually friends. suggested maybe we should back out, they said, oh, no, it's fine. It's so like, no, you guys all have been You're going to be at right. the Brewers game the when they're probably not even going to make the playoffs or anything. You're going to be at the Brewers game and not watching the Packers. Uh, and then you want, and your take is this week that the game doesn't matter, so you want us not to care about it because you can't watch it. No, 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 no. That, that's not at all. I, I, I need you guys to carry it because I'll only able, be able to watch it on my phone. Uh, so I'm going to need everyone, everyone else to pick up the slack. I just, I think week ones are fluky. Go back. I, I did, did you go to a concert go during the NFL draft, too? Again, just poor timing. What do you want me to do about nothing, that? Nothing, nothing. I, I, lo- I love a man that, that you know, Blazes his own path. I love it. Clearly, Clearly Grant, not own. a big Packer fan, but a huge <laughs> Brewer and Craig Timber fan. <laughs> look, look, all I'm saying, guys, real, real quickly, I know everyone's freaking out over this Vikings game. Go back through every season. I did this last week on the show. Go back and look at the opening game since 2014. It's a game that, like, we thought was huge at the time, and then yeah, we were yeah, proved that it yeah. really didn't matter. Grant, it always matters also, our time I'm, with you. Yeah. It always yeah. matters our time yeah. with you. Unfortunately, the time has come to an end because we have to hit this commercial break. Grant, we love you, and we'll listen all week of you say, don't care about week one because you'll all be at the Brewers game. We love you, Grant. You you guys have an excellent day. <laughs> love you, you Much love. And, hey, we'll see you at a tailgate soon, okay? A ray of sunshine in my dark and dreary life. Our sports director, Zach Heilprin, the fountain of Wisconsin sports knowledge, and a beacon of hope at Pooley's. They're crushing Wisconsin content with us. Zach, good morning. Good morning. How are we doing today? Awesome. How was the return to the press box of Camp Randall on Saturday? Did they have the, mm. the rose petals out for you? They did not. Oh. They did not. It was disappointing. I feel like I, I yeah. I mean, I'll I, talk to I Brian about that. I feel like I don't get, yeah, you don't get treated with respect up there. It's kind of disappointing. Um, no, it was, yeah, it was amazing. Walked in and was, was hoping that as part of the renovation of Camp Randall that they were going to have some uh, nice new amenities up there in the press box, and they did not. I mean, what are the, the amenities thing, in the press box? Yeah. Uh, like a trough to pee in, and that's about it? You get a, you get a chair, um, and you get a table. That's, uh, that's the amenities that are offered it. Do they at least wash the, the window pane that you look out they, of? 
they I don't think I don't believe so. I think there's still a uh, a, a stain from where a bird took a crap about 15 years ago. So yeah, they have, I don't think they've done that. So yeah, it was you know they've they've updated everything in that stadium except for the press box. So I mean the press box is still about the same it is it was 1968. So yeah, it is what it is. So still uh, still a little humid in there, still a little warm. No no AC or anything. Who do you sit like by? That, but Jesse. Oh, by Jessenold. Okay, great. And you guys yep. really planned it up for it because the camp uh, hit yesterday, correct? It, uh, it actually, I got it out. I got yesterday's podcast out on Sunday, so yeah, yes. little 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 bonus for anybody that actually subscribes. Oh, the camp absolutely crushing it! Uh, the greatest Wisconsin football podcast to ever grace God's podcast earth. Mm. So, Zach, let's talk about the game a little bit. Uh, first, I mean, big plays were the key for the Badgers. Torchio, how how ecstatic was it when you saw? Uh, I know as a journalist, you're going to keep it, you know, you know, right down the middle. But how great was it to see Torchio return that for 100 yards? And was it a little concerning that Illinois State was able to kind of just drive down the field there uh, before mm. Torchio intercepted it? I think what I failed to remember, uh, which I tend to do a lot, is uh, that despite all the talent on that defense, a lot of them were playing for the first time, um, playing extensive minutes for the first time. I mean, you, you look around, they lost eight starters last from off last year's defense. A lot of the guys that stepped in, especially in the front seven, were, were playing extended minutes for the first time uh, a lot. So I, I think it's especially in Illinois State, new offense, New often and you didn't know exactly what they were going to be throwing at you. So that there were, there, I think, yeah, there's a little bit of a growing pains there at the beginning. They hit some big plays on first downs down the field, made some good, some good throws, some good uh, catches. So yeah, I mean that's that's part of it. I think that's that's game one. But yeah, John Torchio kind of changed the game uh, with that interception. So Nick Herbig after the game said they were playing what average, and he wasn't too happy with their performance. Um... Is that just like you said, the guy is playing for the first time and it's the first game, kind of like just tuning up on Illinois State? Is that something we should be concerned about moving forward? Is it like, hey, man, we're just kind of ironing out some kinks and Herbig and company are going to be a lot happier moving forward? I mean, I don't know how much happier they're going to be if they play like that, but if they, uh, they they get around to who they are and what they think they can be. Again, I when I say I think they could be as good as last year's defense, I'm not. I'm saying that, but I, I've heard the same thing from them. So yeah, they have pretty high standards, and uh, I would expect better performances uh, going forward. But again, it's a lot of guys playing. They didn't have their top two, two quarterbacks. Uh, I don't know we'll, if we'll see Alexander Smith and uh, Justin Clark coming up this weekend. But yeah, I think the more when they get the guys back get guys more experience, probably sure. uh, see a jump. Yeah, so Zach, on the offensive side of the ball, uh, again, big plays, right? A 96-yard run, a uh, big pass as well. Uh, there was Ben Kenny had a funny tweet from your uh, buddy. I know you really love this guy, Dave from Monona. And he said, take away the 96-yard run, the 74-yard pass, and the offense stunk. Now, some people say, yeah, if you take this away, then this happened. You do this, then this happened. What say you to people that are like, well, if you take these plays away, they stunk? Well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the morning show, if, if you took Ebo off the morning show, it's going to stink. Um, you know, that like it's a big, he's the part, he's the show. So like, yeah, I mean. Would you say that's because he's better than replacement level uh, talent like Zach Heilprin? <laughs> no, I was saying, I was saying about you. Um, like if you were there by yourself or if you were there with me or if you were there with anybody else than Ebo, like it's, the show's not going to be any good. So like that's well, that's kind of what you. it is. Like, thank you. When like, you come in play, someday, I'll explain war to you. Wins above Evo, replacement. Evo, Evo, <laughs> Evo is Evo is the big play. Like he's he's the big, like he's the one that 
that brings the people in. He's the one that yeah. keeps people happy. He's the one oh. that keeps people laughing. Like that's that's what this show is. And without him, oh, thank it's you. not it's not any good. So like yeah, for the on Saturday the big plays, <laughs> big plays were Ebo. And uh, when you don't have Ebo. Yeah, things probably. It, this it is a promo. Very good. I'm making this into a promo. By Trust the way. me, management says that it's Ebo's show. Trust, I hear it loud and clear. I'm glad. I've been doing this for like what? 12 years. I mean, it's not my first rodeo. So no, no. I'm just. I'm, I'm glad that they've gotten that across to you. Um, sometimes it seems like they haven't. So, like, I'm, I'm glad that you actually did uh, hear it and understand it. Um, this is kind of awkward, but I uh, thank you for the compliments. But Zach, yeah. on the big plays, uh, Braylon Allen uh, rumbling. Uh, what, anything surprised you? All right, let's talk Graham Mertz. Actually, I thought Graham Mertz, fourteen to sixteen, when asked to have big throws, looked pretty good. What was your takeaway on Graham Mertz? Well, I know you guys don't want to talk about, like, don't want to hear about Graham Mertz and his potential for. You know, I just being said a good he looked good. No, no, just like throughout the off season, like you don't care, like no one cares about what we see in practice. No one cares what you know, we can talk about, you actually have to go out and see it on the field. And I thought that he produced on Saturday. Again, it, you did it against the defense. It probably isn't going to be the best one he sees all year. Uh, he had a clean pocket. Maybe that's one of the keys to him being successful and him being able to throw the ball uh, accurately like he did. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's pretty clear that he has taken some strides. It's it's a one, first step. It doesn't mean anything uh, come September 24th against Ohio State, but it was a good oh, first step. I think step. it does, we'll though. Keep... I think it does. Sorry to interrupt. I think it does, though, because I wanted to see him make plays against the lesser teams. That, if, because he can't do it against the lesser teams, how are you going to do it against the good teams? I know it's Illinois it, State, but it's still nice to see him do it. He was 14 for 17 against Eastern Michigan last year. Yeah. That, that was a lesser team. Uh, he made some plays against them. It, it, it still really... settles and calms the nerves a bit. It feels good to see it. I think what it does is build co- it builds confidence, yes. uh, hopefully, uh, apparently in you, and I'm sure it does in Graham. And so, yeah, I mean, you ha- you have to make the plays against the lesser teams. But he, I think the great thing about it was he's willing to check the ball down. Uh, he didn't try and force things into it. Like there were a bunch of open guys short that he would take. Like he took a couple of little cross- crossers to Hayden Rucci and. Uh, dumped it off to Clay Cundiff a couple times. So, yeah, I mean, those that to me is, is, a, is a step, but it's only a first step. It's not necessarily like he's made these huge strides. It's a, it's a first small little step. So, Zach, um, let me ask you this, and I was reading your awesome article, amazing article, at uh, madcityofsports1.com. Paul Chris sits at 66 wins, uh, too shy of Brett Bielema for the most in school history. Which do you think the fan base would prefer a little more, getting uh, taking over Brett Bielema's record against Ohio State or waiting for Illinois to come in and then to shove it into Bielema's face at Camp Randall? I don't think – I think – I'm not a fan, so I'll ask, I'll ask Nelson. Nelson, what would you prefer? I would prefer Ohio State, by the way. Uh, I, I would say Ohio State clearly because they're the better team and I want this team to win, but – I think realistically, <laughs> it's going to be Illinois. Yeah, yeah, and it, but that's not too, too bad of a consolation prize, right? Like if you're if you're no, tied with Brett Bielman and, you, and you get to beat him to take over the the uh, the, the record, or not even the record, just to move into second place, that'd be pretty sweet. Uh, Paul Chris, I don't think probably will. Uh, care about it, but I think the fans certainly will. Uh, after the game, Zach, before I ask you a little bit about uh, what happened elsewhere on the Big Ten, after the game uh, for the press conference, did we get? Paul, Chris, saying opportunity and appreciate a bunch. I'm did he sure pick he up did. where he left off last year? I'm sure he did. If it, it, it's uh, like it'd be the biggest upset. It'd be like App State over Michigan if uh, he didn't use the word appreciate <laughs> or opportunity at any point. Hey, speaking of the the Big Ten, Zach, before I let you go, have you figured out Iowa football? 
seven mm. to three over the Jackrabbits of South Dakota State. What like is there anything we can take away from a seven to three victory for the Hawkeyes? Well, I mean, yeah, their offense still sucks. Uh, One Spencer field Peters, goal and two safeties. Yeah, Spencer Peters is not any good. Their offense coordinator Brian Ferentz is the son of Kirk Ferentz, so you can't really he won't fire him. Um, but they, I mean, they were, they were missing some guys, and um, but still, and then South Dakota South Dakota State's a good FCS opponent, but it's still an FCS opponent. You weren't able to move them. You weren't able to move the ball. They have freaking twenty punts. They had twenty completions the entire game. Like it was. I'm sorry that that is just really bad, and I think there were probably some people that were hoping like that wasn't going to be the same thing that they were going to see Saturday night. And thankfully, they didn't uh, with Wisconsin. But my gosh, uh, that was I, I ran into somebody who was at that game, a scout who was at the game, and said, "Put push twenty, uh, or I should say, uh, set football back by like twenty years." That, that he was joking, of course. Big Ten football, like, baby. B- boring as hell, unless you love defense, because uh, Iowa's defense is still very, very good. Yeah, um, Zach. Bef- one last question before I let you go. We got the Packers mm-hmm. upcoming, um, titillating out there with the Packers. Did you see? I know you have, but uh, the news. Do you think David Bakhtiari is going to be playing Sunday against the Vikings? I don't. Oh, didn't he say? Didn't he say? And then he when he pulled that back, didn't he? Yeah, and yeah, to Rob Demoski kind of pulled him back. Well, I mean, he did. I mean, he's like, uh, hey, I'm just taking it one day at a time, Bob. Um, so I don't know. I, it, it, it feels like, uh, again, nobody else got to talk to him. I think it was only Rob that was in the locker room with him. So, um, yeah. All right, we'll Zach. see. We'll see. More will be I, revealed. More will be yeah, revealed. no, I, I, I think you could probably read that a couple different ways. But uh, we'll see. Hopefully he is for the Packers' sake, I guess. Zach, we'll see more of you. We'll hear more of you tonight. Kenny and Heilprin, one of its new homes, 6-7. to seven. Yes. Can't wait. Can't wait. Yeah, the the Brewers aren't jamming you up, which Always. is nice. You guys will get a full show. How about that? The Brewers? Nope. They're not playing tonight? They played late. Yeah. Right? I mean, they're not jamming your show up. They're on after you. Oh, okay. Love gotcha. it. Zach, Thank and you. love you, buddy. Yeah. Thanks so much. I don't... Maybe you and Rowdy got to have a little... You know, a little... I can be a mediator in the meeting, if you guys would like. But if not... Well, we still love you. I think Zach will you are the big You are the big play. Thank you. Emo. I think... I, I, that wasn't really a shot at Nelson. It was more of a... Uh, like a... a just you compliment know, to me. That you, who you are. Thank you. Thank you. Once yeah. you become a, you know, accomplished and credentialed, they start cleaning the window off in front of you, and they put your name on the seat like Mike Clemens. Mm, yeah. You, maybe we should get Mike up there. Maybe we should get you up there. I'm sure they'd clear it out for you. Oh, they'd roll the red carpet. You know what they say? Bucky's red carpet? That's where I walk down. <laughs> I bet. And then they'd have to get the child seat up there so you could see over to get in Jesus. and actually see the the field from where we sit so be all good <laughs> what's going on there what's very excited man and can't wait uh been prepared for this time to come for a while now so it's finally here and i'm ready any extra incentive or anything along those lines or? nah because they did they did let you go you know they did they did and i came to the other side but you know at the end of the day it's a game just happy can't wait uh six days away man i'm just very excited birthday coming up too so hopefully we get a dub for my birthday no one loves the scraps more of the green bay packers than the minnesota vikings or the chicago bears right there that was the darius smith of the vikings packer scraps the main course though with our guy mike clemens good morning mike yeah, that's a good point, because um, the latest are 
They take Zadarius Smith. They take Shannon Sullivan, the former Packers defensive back that the Packers just moved on from with you know the guys that they've acquired and Rasul Douglas, his contract. Um, uh, Mike Pettin, the former defense coordinator, is now an assistant there with the Vikings. And Mike Smith, who the outside linebackers loved, Preston Smith, Zadarius, you know, Jonathan Garvin, um, he quit LaFleur in January to go hook up with his old boss, Mike Pettin, because I think maybe he thinks he's got a quicker path to get it becoming his own defensive coordinator someday. So, yeah. And, you know, it's just a big question now. Here you are week one. It's like, why Why did the Packers break up the Smith brothers? Why? Why isn't he still here in Green Bay? Well, he had this back injury that kept him out almost all last year. He played a little bit in the week one against uh, the Saints, and he, he got that sack at the start of the game against the 49ers. But he had this nagging back injury. And so earlier this spring, Zadarius Smith revealed the back injury last year that limited him to just those two games, the opener against the Saints and the playoffs against the 49ers. I, I kind of felt something when I was in the weight room, and uh, it was my lower back. So what I did was I went and did an MRI, and they was like, you know, it's a bulging disc. You know, a lot of people have it. You know, a lot of athletes have bulging discs. So what they said with my bulging disc was it, it was a little bit bigger than normal, you know. So what I did was went to L.A., got it done with my doctor, man, one of the best doctors uh, out there, um, completed the surgery. I don't know too many people coming back from back surgery, but I came back in four months, um, got a chance to practice for three weeks before that playoff game, and as you can see, I'm healthy as ever. Just did my physical, man. Everything's clear, so excited, man. Yeah, I mean, good for him, Mike. I mean, you never want to see someone be injured. Uh, it stinks for the Packers that he got that bulging just disc, and now we'll see what he does for the Vikings. But, yeah, back injuries are no joke. Yeah, I got to – you know, and he turns 30 this week, so I got to – I would hope – that Gutekunst moved on him mostly because of medical, you know, trying to make that bet there, because Rashawn Gary continues to improve, because maybe, I don't know, salary cap considerations down the road, all those kinds of things. But it also makes me wonder if there was something going on with Zadarius just as, you know, a part of that locker room, or, you know, if maybe, you know, that you win by attrition sometimes with that situation. But the Vikings then, they had this clean sweep, uh, they got rid of Rick and, uh, you know, Mike Zimmer. Uh, and, you know, there's a great article that Tyler Dunn has got out now about just how toxic, you know, Zimmer was, how he's losing that team the last couple of years. And so they, they hire this analytics guy. Like, this is like right out of Moneyball. This crazy Adolfo Mensa, 41 years old, out of Princeton, their new GM. Time with the 49ers, the Browns for two years. And then they bring him in, and he's, like, made, like, four trades in the last 10 days a, a training camp. He picks up uh, the quarterback, Nick Bowens, out of the Raiders, and he cuts Sean Mannion, who played against the Packers last year, and Kellen Mond, who they thought was improving, backing up Kirk Cousins. Um, their second-round pick this past spring, Ed Ingram, wins the right guard job. So to save some salary cap money, they cut the vet, uh, Jesse Davis, Steelers actually sent him to the Steelers. They uh, sent some draft picks to the Eagles to pick up a wide receiver, Jalen Rieger. Now, Rieger had a 4-3 on his pro day, and he can be really fast. He actually went higher in the draft a couple of years ago than their own Justin Jefferson. But, you know, you can see where Kwesi's doing this thing where he finds these guys who were high in the draft and got stuck with bad teams. Like, you know, Rieger was there when 
you know, mm. Doug Peterson yeah. was fighting with Carson Wentz, Eagle you know, stink, his rookie yeah. year. Yeah. Ben's and, been and very they, upset with this, too. Yeah. Rieger was huh? one of his favorite players. Yeah, he had a Rieger jersey. He had to give it away to Goodwill. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he might be returning punts, you know, against the Packers this weekend. Uh, Armin Watts was a defensive end that uh, the Vikings had drafted three years ago in the sixth round, and he was making progress each year. He's up to nine games, start last year, five sacks, and they cut him. And there's the people like, what, what are these guys doing? And he got picked up by the Bears uh, the next day. But there's this thing been, that's been going around the Vikings since last spring that they were in the market to see, see if they could bring Nadamka Sue to Minnesota. Oh. You know, five Pro Bowls, the one Super Bowl with the Bucks. He's 35 years old now, and you know, word is look, he's looking for nine million. Vikings are now at six and a half million under the cap, so maybe they're trying to bring him in. And here's another one of these guys: Ross Blacklock was a second round pick for the Texans two years ago, but he's on that crappy Texans team. And so, you know, this is a guy where they say, hey, we saw this guy in college. He's on a bad team right now. We bring him to Minnesota. He can play better. So those are just some of the moves that the Vikings have made in just the last two weeks. Uh, that is a lot of stuff going on there, Mike, uh, for the Vikings. Uh, analytic. How big are you, Mike, on analytics? Well, you know, it works for certain teams. And, I mean, everybody's doing it to a certain extent, even coaches, when it comes to tendencies, when they're doing their game planning. And then they bring in. You know, they they talked to Jim Harbaugh for six hours. Remember that? Yeah. yeah. And then Harbaugh announces, oh, I'm going back to Michigan. No, I think, I think that Ziggy Wolf and those guys talked to Harbaugh and said, this is Mike Zimmer, you know, 2.0. We don't want this. Yeah. We need, you know, we're looking at what the Packers have with LaFleur, more of a player's coach, resting players, not, you know, putting on the pads. And because you lost the game, you know, we're going to tackle to the ground. And <laughs> say, or stuff like that. So they bring in. This Kevin O'Connell. Now he was a quarterback out of was it San Diego State, and he got drafted by Belichick in 2008. He was a backup, went around the league, uh, Lions, Jets, Dolphins as a backup quarterback, Chargers. And then he got into being a, a quarterback coach. He worked for Sean McVay, very similar to Matt Lafleur. Matter of fact, when McVay had his wedding this past spring, I mean Lafleur and Kevin O'Connell, who these guys are going to face Week One. We're sitting there eating, you know, wedding cake at yeah. Sean McVay's wedding out in L.A. I also heard that Lafleur so, didn't have an open bar. He made him pay for it too. Tis, tis. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. Is a shame. So this, you know, this this Kevin O'Connell is a very positive guy. First time head coach, thirty seven years old. Obviously, offensive minded coach as a former backup NFL quarterback. Now, Larry Fitzgerald. This is I'm getting I'm getting home here. All right, Larry Fitzgerald was the great Cardinals wide receiver. Yeah, and Aaron Rodgers always talked about what a great guy Larry Fitzgerald is. And the day the Cardinals beat the Packers, like four or five years ago, I had to go to Larry Fitzgerald to get him on NFL radio, get him on the network. He was the nicest guy ever. And then this past Super Bowl, when Bill and I went to L.A. to cover the Super Bowl, I'm up in the press box, and the guy assigned next to me is Larry Fitzgerald Sr., Larry's dad, who's been covering Vikings and Minnesota stuff since 1978. So, you know, the father of a player. Now, there used to be a thing where Mark Tauscher's dad, Denny, would sit in the press box with us, yeah. and you'd ask Mark about it, and he'd say, yeah, you know, he just wants to sit up there with you guys. He's too cheap to buy tickets or whatever, <laughs> you know. So, and he, he wants to hang out with the press, and so he writes a little column for, like, the, you know, the Marshall newspaper that comes out, you know, three times a week, 
just so he can get a press credential to hang out with you guys. But Larry Fitzgerald's the real thing, uh, senior. And so listen how he welcomes Kevin O'Connell, you know, last week to a press conference at the end of training camp. The Jets cut seven guys, and all seven got picked up. The Vikings cut six guys with contracts left, and Amon got picked up. So does that speak to what? Does that speak to the Jets being stronger, the Vikings being weaker? Help me with that. You know, you'd like to be able to look into it and find some concrete measurables or or some outcomes uh, from that that you can say this is what it was and this is what it is now. I just don't know. Uh, You know, I don't know if you can do that looking at all 32, Larry. I don't, and I I think that... um, I know personally if I, you know, if I start looking into that and, and thinking backwards about whatever our roster may or may not have looked like, all I know is I'm really darn excited about not only the 53 guys we have on our team, but plus uh, the guys that we feel like will make an impact off of that practice squad for our team. Is the plan for challenge in taking over this organization, changing the culture, the offense, the defense, or the restrictions in regard to the cap and the depth? Well, I can speak to, you know, my, you know, my emphasis of the culture from day one. I think I've told you guys just, uh, you know, I, I've really relied on some great leadership here and, and presented the goal, uh, presented an evolving goal uh, of, of a culture that we want to build here that means a lot. I think it's really important when things do get difficult and things get hard. Uh, it is not coach speak because I've lived it. Mike, he really wanted to get after those questions. I love a, a reporter like him that's in there. Is like, no, I got another question. No, I got another question. He was in there, Mike. I know. I want to like. I want to have like a cheering section. Go, Larry. Go, <laughs> get Larry. Get go, get Larry. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Packers had a light practice yesterday after Lafleur game. You know, three day, three days off. It was you know the bye week for the NFL for a seventeen week season, and. Before they went out to practice, LaFleur was talking to the reporters, and they said, so, you know, what about Bakhtiari this week? What about Elton Jenkins? And he said, yeah, I think David's going to be out there. Uh, maybe some team drills. Uh, don't know about uh, Elton. Well, Elton was on the field, but then, you know, they, they kick you out before they get to the team 11-on-11 drills when you get to regular season. So Bakhtiari, then Rob Domowski caught him for you know, just as he's out the door, and he said, hey, I'm on the active roster. Yeah, it's possible I could play this week. So you guys guess, you know, because we've been doing this for a year and a half, right? <laughs> right? Whether or not, you know, the doctor, Pat McKenzie, is going to say Elton Jenkins and Bakhti are ready to play, or whether these guys need to have more practices, team practices, take some more hits before they actually play the game, and they're going to have to deal with Zadaria Smith and Daniil Hunter on the edges. And then wide receiver, that's the story, because I, I think something happened to Lazard maybe last Wednesday when they had this really intense practice before their their Labor Day weekend break, mm-hmm. and um, he hasn't been around in the locker room since, and then he wasn't on the field yesterday. So it's an undisclosed injury. We don't know if it's a leg or, or what it is. But uh, he was not even on the field yesterday. So Christian Watson, you know, that puts more spotlight on him. He was able to get out there for practice the last couple of weeks. And so he was asked, hey, if you get some plays, if you get some snaps, if you're active this Sunday in Minnesota, are you confident you can you know, play the whole game after missing all the preseason games? Um, you know, I definitely, you know, feel like there'll be a little bit of nerve there. Just, you know, it being my first one, but um, you know, I'm confident in myself. You know, I'm confident, you know, in the playbook and everything. And um, you know, if I do get the chance, you know, I feel like I'll be ready to go. 
Well, that's a good sign, Mike. I mean, I was a little concerned of him, you know, uh, missing a lot of camp. So I was like, ah, you know, how's he going to do? Invest in some draft capital. So I'm, I'm glad to hear a little confidence in him. Yeah, and you know, and then you say, really? I mean, you you understand where Aaron Rodgers is at? You're up to speed with Aaron Rodgers, and he talks about his mental reps and all that. But you know, come on, he's got to have more team drill practices, you know, with Rodgers and and red zone drills and that kind of thing to to be a hundred percent. So yeah. we'll see if he's active for the game. Maybe he gets a couple snaps in there. And this other guy that really impresses me now every time we talk to him is Sammy Watkins. I mean, he's really a good down to earth kind of old school uh classy uh athlete and football player. He rhymes there some sometimes there's some great, you know, baseball athletes over the years and so Sammy, even though a lot of Clemson and all those teams he played with course you know got hit up with injuries again last year in his time in baltimore with the ravens so he was asked so you know what are you hoping for week one here as a green bay packer i'm um, really just getting off to a good start getting a win um i think for me it's about winning um and and whatever i have to do to go out there and get a win that's what i'm gonna do i'm not too much focused on um how well i'm gonna play when i when i'm right and um healthy i play well so it's really going out there putting everything together what i practice at what I practice on in practice and um, putting it to, to a test um, come this Sunday and going out there really having fun and, and making the plays that's presented to me. But ultimately, I'm going out there trying to win a game, and that's what I'm focused on. Yeah, big Sammy Watkins guy. I, you know, if he can stay healthy, Mike, I think he's going to be a big X factor for the Packers. I mean, him and Aaron Rodgers have the alien and the UFO connection, and he's a, he's an out there kind of thinker too. Uh, Mike, we're leading up here. We're five days away from the start of the season. Personally, for you, Mike, is there? Can you feel it in the air yet? Are you feeling a little excitement? Like what's going on through Mike Clemens' head? Oh no! I mean, this. First of all, this is a rivalry, absolute rivalry. Um, this is a team that outplayed you. They had a good game plan, and they outplayed you. They outlasted you. Um, even if maybe the pack, you could say the Packers were the better team. They played really well at U.S. Bank, and they have changed that environment up there. We talk about this. That's the loudest place. I think it's even more than Seattle. It gets so loud in there with the the speakers and the stuff that they're playing in there. It's almost fatiguing, I think. I think it wears out the fans by the third quarter (laughs) between the music and the skull and all that other kind of stuff. So it's a tough place to play, and you still got, you know, Kirk Cousins and Delvin Cook and Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, you know. uh, So you got a great defensive back, and, you know, you're going to – defensive backs – you're really looking forward to see what this new front package that the Packers have on defense and, you know, experience guys. It's, I think it's going to be a good game. Totally. And, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's in Lafleur's favor because of his experience. Uh, but, you know, Kevin O'Connell, these guys are going to, they're going to play to win their first game under the new head coach at home. They're going to come out, you know, uh, they're going to come out and give them a great effort. Yeah. Mike, uh, always a fantastic effort when you jump on the show. We can't wait to talk again on Thursday. You have yourself, I hope you have a great Labor Day weekend, Mike. Uh, I hope it was relaxing for you. I'm glad you got some family time in. But it's go time, baby. We'll talk again Thursday, okay, Mike? Thanks, Evo and Rowdy. Appreciate it. See you, buddy. There he is. Good stuff from our guy, Mike Clemens. Mike Clemens NFL on Twitter.